Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple Podcast. My name is James and I'm here with my co-host, Elizabeth Shaby. Elizabeth, guess what? We have a guest. We have a very special guest in the in the studio today. The great Reverend Catherine Booth Olsen. Olsen. Yay, I love being a very Yay. special yes, guest. indeed. Thanks We've for having me. We've only had special guests up to this point. Now we have a very special guest. Catherine, it's good to have you here today. Uh, I'm going to start off by asking you what I've been asking everybody so far, which is, how's your Advent going? Ooh, how's my Advent? I love Advent. It's yeah. like one of my favorite seasons. Um, I love a season of waiting and anticipation and of hope and preparing. I'm a really good preparer. Like yeah. I like checklist yes, and yes. like uh, this team at Northside knows like I love like all the getting ready. I like the logistics. Mm-hmm. So this is a good season for yeah. me. Um, but I, this season I've really embraced the notion of Christ has come. Christ is coming and Christ will come again. It's just I think it's been a good Advent. Something's felt special about this Advent, so I've, Aww. I've enjoyed this Advent. Say, so we had the same. Uh, Sarah said the same thing last yeah. week. She was like, "I know I'm really feeling Advent this year. I hadn't felt it quite the same way." Yeah, so, I had that experience too. Like it's been pretty much carbon copy be... for me. Same, same old, same old. <laughs> Apathy. <laughs> I'm just always excited during Advent. It's always mm-hmm. good for me. I mean, just last night I moved the wise men a little closer, and the shepherd got a little closer. Like yes. they're making their way making across way in the... the world today. I will say, I don't know if my mom is listening to this podcast, but I moved her Jesus because when I got to her house a couple weeks ago, (laughs) she had the Jesus in the manger and I took Jesus out and I hid him. And and she has, I was, I was waiting. How long would it be until I got the text message? Where's Jesus? I have not received that text message yet. So don't worry, mom. He is still in your heart. heart. (laughs) No one can take your Jesus from you. I learned this in seminary. No one can steal your Jesus. He's still there with you at all times and in all places. Baby Jesus from the manger is just hidden. He That's will right. come back. That's right. No it, one can steal your Jesus. It was a couple of years ago that I stole the Jesus from your nativity <laughs> from your office. And uh, I don't think it got back until like March. I don't even know. <laughs> so Jesus came late that year. Oops. But uh, anyway, this week we're talking about, uh, mostly we're talking about, we're still talking about kenosis and the, and the Advent devotional, but we're also talking specifically about uh, Mary this week. A lot of Mary this week, mostly Mary. Um, and James, I do want to give you a shout out, a little extra credit, because I know this doesn't always happen, but a great job lining that up with the Advent wreath alignment, because yeah. oh. we would, we will, we did uh, light the pink candle and the Advent right. wreath, which is the Mary candle, and not always does this devotional line up with all the other symbolism, and yep. great yep. alignment you this year. You are welcome. That was totally intentional. Why is Mary's candles pink? Why is Mary's candle pink? Right, yeah. She's a girl. Pink is for girls, right? Is that the theological reason? It is not the only... I believe that's what it says in scripture. Theological reason, but it is Mary's candle. It is her candle of joy. Um, Mary's joy, but it is the candle that, it's the only candle that has a person associated besides the Christ candle. All of the other candles are attributes. Yeah. And it is the only candle that has a person associated. Well, this is the one time of year that we we talk a lot about Mary, and Mary's always been a fascinating character to me in scripture, and I think she plays this role of kenosis very well, um, becomes a very good model for us. Uh, I think a lot of times when you think about 
emptying ourselves and becoming like Jesus, it's hard for us to imagine being like Jesus because Jesus is Jesus, but Mary is just a person. Uh, Mary's just a human being. In fact, she's a very young human being in the story. She's starts. actually a girl. I yeah. mean, even harder yeah, to be like right? Jesus. She's a girl. She's probably about 14 years old. And uh, so but we're talking about somebody who performs the act of discipleship and kenosis perfectly as a model for us. Uh, and that's we spend the entire week talking about her uh, this week and really focusing around the three responses that she gives to that initial contact that she has at the Annunciation with uh, Gabriel. Um, and how she uh, just really embodies that that whole idea of, oh, hey, here I am, take me, use me, I'm your servant. Um, emptying herself of whatever she thought her life was going to be, whoever she thought she was going to be, uh, and literally being filled with Jesus Christ <laughs> in a way that we can all only hope uh, to be filled with Jesus. So uh, that's a good introductory kind of thoughts. Let's jump in. What do you guys want to talk about? So one of the things that um, I loved, I loved thinking about who Mary is and what Mary offered. I do think it is interesting that um, in the passage, we don't hear from most of the men. Though the last yeah. two weeks, you've talked about the men, like, but we don't actually hear their yeah. voice yeah. Mm-hmm. a whole lot. But we hear a lot from Mary. Yeah, Like she, we hear her voice, like we hear her response, um, like her willingness to say yes, to sing a song of praise, to... Yeah. To submit, to Absolutely. say, like, like, I'm afraid, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Like, um, and it's diametrically opposed to, I mean, I think intentionally so, to Zachariah's response, you know, yes. er, earlier in the chapter, where he's like, mm-hmm. well, what? Nah. You know, and he gets silenced. I know. Uh, that here, is so fascinating Mary, to me. Mary embraces it full on. Uh, so the, yeah. the old priest man, who should have expected something like this to happen, uh, can't can't figure it out and doubts. Whereas Mary, who who knows what she's expecting... She just takes it. She's like, okay, this is it. I'm in. Let's go. That's interesting in a culture where women really didn't have a lot of voice and yeah. didn't have a lot of authority with their voice. Right. Her voice has so much authority. Absolutely. Um, and gratitude and joy in the midst of the unknown. Absolutely. I just like, yeah. it's, it would be really, I think it's just, um, if you don't know what to say this Christmas season, like if you're like, I don't know what to pray. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to get through... Yeah. Like if to pray Mary's words is yes. I, I think are just really Everything she says beautiful here. prayers. Prayer. I read today on Facebook. I don't generally uh, use Facebook on the podcast here, but I saw this today and I thought it was uh I thought it was I thought it was fun. So I'm just going to share it. Uh this is I guess a meme or someone's tweet. I don't even know what the difference is, but it says here every discussion of biblical womanhood should include the fact that in Luke 1, two pregnant women celebrate their new motherhood by passionately discussing the coming overthrow of every earthly empire. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly right. That's very good. That's very good. And Luke makes that like clear right up at the front. I mean, Luke is more about the outcast and the marginalized than yeah. the other gospels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here we have two women taking the primary role in the in the first chapter. I mean, we're not even out of the first chapter yet. And here here we go. And a young woman, I like how you set it up and you remind us it's a young woman and it's an old woman, like yeah. yes. neither of whom would have been expecting yeah. or expecting expected. To expect. Yeah. Yeah. I read this fantastic article. Um, it's not 
uh, it's not scripture, but it was based in scripture. And it was someone's just kind of wholly imagining about what this time would have looked like between Mary and Elizabeth and kind of this contrast between, you know, this priest's wife, right, who kind of was asking for this blessing, asking for a child, hoping it kind of given up on it. And she's much older. And and then the contrast of this young woman unmarried and didn't really know. And she gets this thing from God and kind of what that time could have looked like that they spent together and the gift that maybe they gave to each other in just comforting and, and sharing wisdom and you know maybe mary helped elizabeth get excited for this new season of life and maybe her youth kind of refreshed her and you know made her excited about it and maybe elizabeth's wisdom you know helped mary prepare i don't know it was just a lovely you know just what does it look like to think about these two giants that we have in this story (laughs) and you know that question of can you believe this is happening this is the only other person on the planet that can say yes yeah. actually i can believe this is happening because it's happening yes. to me too right? well and yes. i wonder who else they initially told right mm. because i mm. wonder who else really believed them like because yeah. I, I imagine most people didn't a lot of people didn't believe them they yeah. would have doubted they no would doubt. have questioned they would have critiqued they you know joseph was going to leave her yeah. as kindly That's as he serious. could have it's just going to sneak out the back door <laughs> yeah. all right so i yeah. just wonder who else they like who else in their inner circles would they have gone to yeah and yeah. but here they have each other yeah. and in a that's, in a in good. a season where i wonder how much both of these women could have how much could they actually have, like did either of these women actually know how to read or write yeah and could they have written to each other? Like how much, like, I just yeah. wonder what their interactions were. Like, yeah. it's not like they were like texting each other, like send me your favorite baby blog. Right. Like, have you read this like mommy website? Like, did you pick up this book at your favorite library? Like, I just like, they really like, what did they have in regards yeah. to community? I mean, I think nowadays, like yeah. when you're expecting something you're afraid of or excited for nowadays, we have so many resources. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. And I wonder how few resources they had except for one another and their faith yeah. and the Lord God Almighty. Like, yeah. Uh, and I think their faith has to be an important part of this. You know, I think we, we look at these stories as, as being joyful stories, uh, you know, joy being the candle that's mm-hmm. connected to Mary. And um, we think of childhood and motherhood as, as um, and child you know bearing and having babies as being a joyful moment and this obviously being joyful for them because they're having these big babies these babies that are going to be big and important to history and all that but it was completely uh would have been catastrophic for their their lives as they knew them at the time yes. right like mary's life is never gonna be the same because even though she's having a child and it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been out of the ordinary for her to have a child in a normal way um but now who knows like you said like who believes her like i think for the rest of her life she's gonna have people in her life it's like yeah that's mary let me tell you what she did you know she she keeps saying this yeah, is the son of god right? but really and, and then, yeah. elizabeth who had basically given up on the idea of having a child and moved on probably in her mind right. and heart to other things now all of a sudden it's here right and now to figure that out yeah and i'm sure john the baptist was an easy kid to raise <laughs> Based on the very oh, little that we know about it. <laughs> and I think that's an interesting question. Like when most of us, whether we like the plans we have or not, most of us have a plan. Yeah. Like we have a rhythm. And I wonder if both of them were like, oh, we're going to have to like empty out some room. Like we're going to have to empty out a yes. room. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to have to create literal space, not only in our bodies, but like in our homes. Like where is the space going to be for these unexpected children in our routine? Where is yeah. the unexpected space for them to take up our time and yeah. our 
income. Like every parent, they're like, where are we going to fit them into our lives? Yeah. Right. Because um, they don't generally come with a kid-shaped hole in, in our lives. Uh, for the most part, they don't fit easy in. They, there's moving around. And, that you know, that's part of what you were talking about before. You said you, a, lot of part, a lot of what you like about Advent is the planning and the expecting and all that stuff. But this is a story that tells us that no matter what we are planning or expecting, that it's God's plan and expectation that wins out in the end. So uh, there's a collision of of expectation here that I think is pretty important, um, particularly when we're starting to talk about the idea of kenosis and emptying ourselves, because that is not something that you know we were talking about before. It's not something the world really expects us to do. Uh, is empty ourselves and step out of the way. And that radical humility of allowing God to work through us rather than us just taking the will and taking over and taking control. And one of the things I have been wondering about as I was like kind of reading ahead, right, in preparation for being here is there are very few times when I have thought of being empty as a win. And so I wanted to ask you all, like, when or what, and this is probably true for the audience, those of you who are listening, like, pause with me for a minute, like, when you're like, oh, emptiness is a value in this situation. Because let me tell yeah. you some situations it's not. An empty bank account, not a win. Right. An empty fridge, not right. a win. Right. Like Empty gas tank, bank, not empty a win. stomach, which mine is growling right now. Yeah, so, so like, yes. right? Like, so like, and I'm trying to think of like, so you yeah. set us up for weeks, James, to go like emptiness, mm -hmm. good. And emptiness, God comes in. But I'm like, yes, I agree with you. But like, I'm trying to like, now, this is fascinating because that word does not really have a great connotation, right? It doesn't. No, it does not. Empty room. You know, we don't like things to be, you know. Yeah. yeah. An empty calendar mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. sounds like opera. Like, a, like sometimes at the start of a new year, you're like, you have an empty calendar that's full of possibility. Uh -huh. It's yeah. full of potential. It's an empty canvas. But like, I, I mean, I would love maybe some of the people who listen to kind of like write in. But I'm like, I've really tried to kind of ponder like what are like when is emptiness celebrated because i think it should be like you're helping right. us imagine how emptiness is an invitation for god to be yes in charge but yeah. that's I, so countercultural. i would say like i would say two things i think the, to answer that question i would say the only time in my experience that it's felt good to be empty outside of this kind of uh, way that we're talking about it with kenosis is after you've accomplished something huge and you've poured yourself out into mm -hmm. it and, and it's done. And it's done. You have nothing and else have to do nothing for a minute. You have nothing left to give, but you've done it well, right? Mm -hmm. So you're empty, but you've run a long marathon. You've written a devotional. You've accomplished, you know, something uh, that you set your heart to, and you're done with it, and you did all you could do, and you're empty, and that kind of uh, happy exhaustion that happens. A completeness? There's, there's a moment, yeah, there's like a, a completeness, maybe a wholeness there. Mm -hmm. But I'll say that I think the main reason why we don't associate emptiness with uh, anything good uh, is because we're always talking about emptiness that's related to our wants, our desires, our dreams, and what we want. Like me, 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 I, I, I. And it's an emptiness that comes without purpose. And that's one of the differences, I think, the key difference, actually, between what we're talking about with kenosis and what Jesus did for us in emptying himself, as well as what he's calling us to do in emptying ourselves, is it's not emptiness in with no purpose. It's an emptiness that is directed toward being filled with the Holy Spirit for the purpose of God. And that is not about what I want or what I plan or expect out of my life. It's about letting God in, uh, pour into me his purpose, his plans, uh, instead of me trying to, uh, try to figure that out myself. 
Does that make sense? I was thinking about emptiness in relation to starting an artwork or a project because I go through this process where I get really excited about the idea of doing something and then all of a sudden you open up a blank canvas, whether it's on the computer or a piece of paper, and it's this panic moment of there's nothing there, right? It's empty. I don't know what to do with this. And then it's all of a sudden the pressure of you having to create something becomes overwhelming yeah. and you don't know what it's going to look like and I'm not going to be able to do it. And, ah, you know, it's mm -hmm. just kind of this roller coaster. And so maybe in relation to what you're talking about, it's thinking about how to channel that initial possibility, that initial creativity in the sense of like, I don't, I'm not responsible for the end result. I'm not responsible for oh, the thing that's, that's going to come yeah. out of this. Mm -hmm. And so can I just stay in this curiosity? Can I stay in this imagination? Can I stay in the wonder of what might happen and not go into the, Oh, I'm responsible for the thing. And right. if I try too hard, it's going to fail or whatever. I'm not going to do it like I want. And I think that's important because I think there's something separate from emptiness being lacking because Mary nor, you know, Elizabeth nor the other folks you've talked about were lacking. I mean, we're all lacking without Christ, sure, without the Holy sure. Spirit, but like they weren't, they're, they weren't failing. Right. Yeah. And, right. But something about this being willing to find wholeness beyond yourself. Yeah. You know, it, there's this notion mm. that you're the wholeness is in the willingness to let go and to trust and to abide. Or, mm -hmm. but it's how do we frame that? Like the void isn't a is actually filled with it's. There's a filling in a different way. Yeah, almost like an expansion that happens that then needs a, an additional filling. Maybe I don't know. Like, mm. I like the idea of what you said there. The finding wholeness outside of myself. So it's not like a be your best self now kind of situation where it's just whatever can fill me up, whatever makes me whole, that's not actually wholeness in the, in the way that we're talking about in the Christian faith and discipleship. Yeah. I think Bill might have touched on this in his sermon last week, but thinking about how can I empty myself, but then also what can God do with that space? And maybe that kind of gets at what we're talking about. So not just thinking about what I need to let go of or what I need to empty myself of, but what are the possibilities of what God can do with that space? Yeah. And that's kind of a cool exercise, you know, and there's that, um, what we, what do I need right now? But not just that, right? It's not just a me focus. It is what could God do here? What's yeah. possible? Yeah. Did you think it's really interesting? And I think just the permission to think about that, Emptiness isn't always negative. Now, yes, going hungry, kids being hungry yes. is not yeah. good. Running out of gas is not ideal. Probably a lack of planning. But sometimes like Sabbath tending, like yeah. having a day without um, work, actually an empty work schedule is yeah. actually good. Yeah. So I think this helping us reframe yeah. the giving over of control. Yeah, it's a good way to say it. Um, I think it's just helping us rechange our vocabulary um, might help some of us connect to this differently. Cause I just yeah, was struggling good. with the vocabulary. Like I don't, I don't want to be empty. I don't want right. to be yeah. depleted. I don't want to, but that's not what you're inviting us to. That's not what well, Christ is inviting right, exactly. us to completely. It's a, and I, and I think there's a, there's an importance in understanding the, the, the fact that this is a verb we're talking mm -hmm. about. This is an activity of emptying, right? So finding yourself in an empty place is not good necessarily. Right. Yeah. 
emptying yourself is a whole different kind of process where you are taking the initiative and saying, I'm going to do this. Uh, so it's why people go, well, hunger is a bad thing, but people fast all the time for that exact same purpose because it's the emptiness of their stomach that then attenuates you to the fact that you're empty in other ways or that you need to be filled in other ways. So the intentionality behind kenosis, this is not an accident. Jesus didn't just happen to find himself empty. Uh, this is something that we have to do and something that God, that God himself did. Um, and that's an important part of it, right? Yeah, that's a good distinction. I like that. Intentionality, that's the word. And we do get into this a little bit later in the devotional um, toward the end of the 12 days of Christmas. We, we talk about the question, you know, what, it, where, what do you do if you find yourself already empty? Like, what do you, we haven't, because we don't talk about that quite a lot uh, in the, in the previous stuff, but towards the end of the 12 days, we talk about the woman at the well, um, mm. and, uh, and how she kind of was already empty when she encountered Jesus. So what do you do then? So I think it's a good distinction to make though. I do think that is very helpful. The, the choice. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. you know, the notion that we have free will and that in choosing to be, to empty ourselves, we know we are getting something better. Yeah. Like we know that encountering this living water yeah. and we know encountering, you know, this abundant life that we are, we are like resting in something that is going to be more rewarding than yeah. what we had to start with. Yeah. Like, and, and it's getting to a place where we can say like, I know a day of rest is more valuable yeah. than a day. Yeah. And that's, that's where the faith of frenzied work. You know? Yeah. I know that a day of connecting mm-hmm. with the earth is more valuable than striving for for right. material success or whatever we're yeah. however we're emptying ourselves to reconnect yeah. with god we okay, we know the value yeah to reconnect because i was thinking about the uh like ready to receive emptying in order to receive so it's not emptying for the sake of being emptying it's i was thinking about the woman at the well right okay so where is this human being at this moment you know she's tired maybe she's you know she's empty she's exhausted she's maybe feeling some shame or whatever it is that she might be struggling with and so it's the learning how to take that so i feel empty i've got all this you know this framework i feel empty so it's turning that into being ready to receive that living water how do i reframe this emptiness maybe i like that but i like the reconnect that's a good word too so reconnecting is an interesting way to talk about this shift between Advent and Christmas, right? If we're thinking of the season of emptying and now suddenly, right, it's, it's the preparation, the emptying, and now we're almost here at this opportunity to reconnect, to receive. It's Christmas. It's, you know, Christmas. that's, that's quite a shift. <laughs> yeah. As I have said Snow's to a number of parents, like Christmas. take a deep breath. We are going to make it. I'm watching it for Christmas. Christmas. Sorry, I can't sing along with you, friends. A glorious you can, moment. You can. Glorious moment. But Joyful I mean, like, noise. We're gonna, like, but we're going to make it. But I think, yeah. like, I do I am curious, like, um, here Mary in the midst of knowing that she's been given this gift, but also in some ways a burden, a responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, I was curious what y'all might be doing to stop and to pause and to truly have a moment to kind of worship in these next few days because I think we often get busy like wrapping gifts and cooking meals and preparing to leave to go see people or preparing for people to come and sometimes we forget to do the kind of the glorifying and magnifying of God and we do all the duty 
of tending to the day, but not the actual worshiping. I think that's also, I think that's even more acute for people who work in the church, serve in the church, because I mean, even Christmas Eve, we're gonna have what five services here, and I'll be here for all five of them. But it's just, it's I've, in the past, it's always been difficult to find a moment where you know I'm actually doing the doing the worshiping, doing the worshiping, right, and not just doing the other pieces. But uh, I think that's a good word, like. How do we find time to glorify the Lord as Mary does in Luke chapter 1 with the Magnificat? Magnify the Lord, glorify the Lord in this transition moment between Advent and Christmas. I mean, so I, I do wonder, like, what are people doing just to stop and to pause? Like, uh, have you set aside some time where you're like, I'm going to, you know, listen to the Christmas carols. I'm going to read the devotional. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to clear the calendar. I'm going to like find the empty piece of paper and write the thank you note. I'm going to. Yeah. What is the, what is for you or for me, the the actual act of giving back to God, what God is worthy of. Yeah. Um, in worship. Um, you know, and so for me, I, I really try for us since our worship services here at Northside are during the day, our last one is, you know, at, at six. I'll plan to worship at 11 Yeah. Um, because I like, I'm a late night person. I like an yeah. evening worship service. Yeah. Um, and it's a service where no one knows me. Like I'm not the reverend. <laughs> right. No nice. one knows me. I haven't decided yet if I'm showing up in person or showing up online. Yeah. But like, I'm just going to, I'm going to go to worship at 11. That's good. That's always because my favorite. that's what I need to be able to just not be responsible. Yeah. Um, but for some people, y'all don't need another worship service. Y'all are going to come at two or four, yeah. um, but you're going to have your kids with you and you're going to have your in-laws with you and you're going to have to get here. And so maybe it is that or not. And I get for some people, they can bake and that can be their gift. Yeah. Right. For some people, it's going to be writing notes. Some people, it's going to be sitting quietly with their cup of coffee. I just, I wonder if you've taken the time to like truly stop and be intentional, as we've said about yeah. what that would be. Um. Because I think often our parents think Christmas is for kids right. or grandparents yeah. think it's for grandkids. Yeah. But like Christ actually came for each and every one of us. <laughs> like Christ has come for you. And are you ready to encounter him? Like, are you ready to be open enough to receive him anew? Or yeah. are you going to be so busy that he like comes and goes and you hit the fifth day of Christmas and you're like, oh, wait. You know, for me, it's uh, I think the the tradition that I have kept forever and always is the, you know, I watch It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas Eve um, on NBC at 8 p.m. Uh, and I've done that for almost 30 years now. And um, it is, uh, it's always that moment for me, I think. It is that moment of like peace and, and reflection. And um, a lot of times I'm by myself when I'm watching it. So, you know, other other people have other commitments or whatever they're going on. So it's always a moment of like that silent night kind of feel to it. Um, and it's a ridiculous movie that doesn't really have a lot to do with Christmas. It has a lot more to do with communism than Christmas, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, it has been that for me, uh, for sure. And I think also here at Northside, like that last service that we do when it's dark outside and that's we light all candles and we're all mm-hmm. singing silent night, uh, that's always, always a, a moment that gives you chills, gives you goosebumps and, and makes you, makes you, I think at least recognize the power of the moment in, in the sense of, of God becoming a human being. Um, yeah, I think that that's, what's been for me over the past few years. The the moment here at Northside, cause I, I've worked, I guess I've worked Christmas Eve the last two years, maybe 
And th- that moment, I didn't, I, I, you know, working in between worshiping, I don't know if I ever sat down in a worship service entirely, but that moment where the candles and everyone raises them and we sing yeah. Silent Night in the Dark, like, that is gold. That is, <laughs> oh man, that is just so beautiful. Um, I've generally been at different churches over the years because my parents have moved around. And so I'm not, I have struggled with not being at home or whatever my conception of home is um, on Christmas. And I was thinking as you were talking, uh, I never felt good. It never felt up like a positive thing, but how I could kind of see that as a expectation jogging sort of experience, which really is what Jesus is about. You know, it's not, it's not always comfort and what you thought it is sometimes something new and different. And I think this year I'm leaning more towards what you were talking about, Catherine, whereas I will be at a church I maybe never have been at before and it'll be nice. You know, that will be lovely. It won't be a church I consider my home church, but um, it'll be a kind of a different experience. And so maybe what does it mean to see that in kind of that jogging, unexpected sort of light? You know, Jesus comes in and surprise. It's not what you thought. I will also be looking for Jesus in the camel. I know <laughs> is it going to happen camel. this year? I know Are folks, we doing the camel this year? I know folks question whether a camel is necessary for Christ <laughs> to be born in our hearts again. But why the camel is so important <laughs> to me is that real joy. Like it, the camel has nothing to do with the nativity story. Like in Bethlehem, there would... As much as a second lobster and love actually, right? But it's that it's that joy of like this ridiculous camel in Buckhead, Georgia. And it really is like the just the the stupidity of it. Yeah. In some ways. Well, yeah. Is the it's the wonder. It's the unexpectedness. It's the wonder of it. It is the Uh joy of it. It's the fact that it's utterly ridiculous on some level (laughs) that you can get lost in it. Like for me, it's like this like the absurdity is like yeah. Christ shows up in absurd ways. Yes, yeah. that's good. And that's like, really so good. it's like the fact that I can go take a selfie with a camel, like that God shows up in camels and like, <laughs> so go look for God to show up at a gas station yes. or in a bathtub <laughs> or in your waffles. And if you missed it and you're listening to this a couple of days later, yeah. like He's still think up. back or keep looking because yeah. God is going to yeah. show up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Christmas is 12 days long also, by the way, folks. Mm, it I is. I mean, we try to press that. I try to press that around yeah. here. But. We got to yeah. Epiphany. And if we read scriptures thoroughly, as James would invite us, and <laughs> the folks here at Northside, not just the clergy, but the entire team, the wise men didn't show up in those first 12 days. No. Right. It they took them not. a long time. So a like, bit of time. Christ has shown up and will show up and will keep showing up if we are ready to receive. And even when we're not ready to receive. That's good. So like... Yeah. Like if we are a lot of times we're not ready. Yeah. 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 I think it's good. And that's that. Give me eyes to see prayer and ears mm-hmm. to hear that. I love, you know, that help me, help me to see it. Cause you are there. God. Yeah. Give me eyes to see. And the hands to receive mm-hmm. and yeah. the, the feet to walk. Like, and I think that's what this invitation to kenosis is like your hands aren't open. If you're clinging to something else, that's really good. Your feet aren't, you know, moving if they're already stuck on a commitment. Like, I, I can only yeah. do it this way. Yeah. Like, it can only, Christ only shows up at this service at this time, at this <laughs> right. church in this way. No, like, yeah. right. give me the feet to go to the church where Christ might show up in another congregation at another time. And and I'll come home. Like, mm-hmm. but for this one evening, I got to go somewhere else. And this one day, I might need to find 
in a different meal and a different tradition with some in a different conversation. I like that you're going to the the eleven o'clock service or the the what we call the midnight service because it ends at mm-hmm. midnight and it's kind of transitioning into Christmas Day with all the candles and stuff. I did that until I mean I did my grandmother loved doing that. We did that every year until I was about fourteen years old. We would go to in Muskogee, Oklahoma. We'd go to St. Paul's United Methodist Church because that's the only church in town that would do it. And we would go at like 11 o'clock, and I always kind of hated it a little bit, but I always kind of loved it too. Uh, I always hated going, but I thought it was powerful when we got there. Yeah. Um, until I was about 14, and then we woke up on Christmas morning to open up all our gifts and everything, and it turns out somebody didn't blow their candle out, and the whole church burned down. You're on kidding me. Christmas morning, yeah. Uh, which is why we started watching This Wonderful Life on Christmas Eve instead, uh, about 28 years ago. Uh, they rebuilt the church. Everything's fine. No one got injured or hurt or anything like that, but it's still kind of catastrophic. Like, so, you know, everyone blow your candles out. Like, that's a really important wow. uh, part <laughs> of the Thank ceremony. you for that public service announcement. Yes, yes. indeed. Wow. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was, that, was, uh, that was the year I got a bow and arrow for Christmas. Other PSA, just for our Northside folks who are listening, to clarify, we do not have an 11 o'clock service here at Northside. Yeah. yeah. So our latest service is at 6. <laughs> 10, 12, <laughs> 2, 4, 6, 515 communion. Thank you. Yes. yes. But yes. yes, 11 o'clock was always my favorite, too. The church I grew up at had that as well. And I remember that, you know, when I was really young, well, you know young enough and I would sleep on the pew you know you curl up and go to sleep to like standing there and being awake for the whole thing and enjoying it and that was cool. cool yeah that's very cool well Catherine thank you so much for joining us today thanks, thanks for being for here well, I hope that you have a very merry and happy Christmas I'm gonna see With you plenty camel. on Christmas I hope I'll... the camel thing works out you know uh, what I you know these last few days of preparation anticipation expectation and then I hope to see, you know, see y'all for the 12 days of Christmas into January. Yes, absolutely. Merry Christmas. Happy camel. (laughs) (laughs) The camel will be at Northside, so come for that. (laughs) If nothing else. Uh, And Elizabeth, thank you, as always, for being here. And guys, thank you for listening. Merry Christmas. And we'll see you. Merry Christmas. We'll see you during the 12 days of Christmas. Merry Christmas.